Hello and Happy New Year. I pray that you had a blessed Christmas season and, and enjoyed some time away, just as we did at Knox United and Acomus United. Here's our sermon for when we celebrated the birth of the Lord on Christmas Eve. Grace and peace be with you. Let us pray. God of hope and peace and joy and love, pour your spirit upon us and upon what we do here, that as we turn to these stories gifted to us by our ancestors that have carried through the ages, we might hear in our time wisdom, that we might find the way to follow you, to bring peace and justice into the world as was brought all those years ago. Amen. As I was preparing for this service, I put on Christmas carols to accompany me while I worked. And I enjoyed as many hymns, both modern and ancient, poured over me. From angels we have heard on high with the angelic refrain soaring Gloria in excelsis Deo, capturing just something I think of the terror, wonder, and awe that the shepherds felt all those cold nights ago. Or one of my favorites, the final verse of O Holy Night, which captures so beautifully the majesty of the freedom of new life in Christ, who comes into our life and into our world to transform the earth with peace, with justice, and with reconciliation. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. But there's one carol that has long captured my heart in a unique way. And for background and context, it's important to know that I wasn't always a follower of Jesus. When my mother was young, when she was 16, she became pregnant with me. She wasn't married to my father at time, and this caused in the town and the church that she attended some scandal. The community of faith that she had been a member of her whole life, that her grandfather, my great-grandfather, had planted, uh, where she had learned that the way of Jesus is one of love and of peace, of hope and forgiveness, a way of welcome, uh, she found and encountered in that community of faith many people who judged her, who bullied her and excluded her, and who pushed her and me and our family out of the church. Because at the moment that she was at her most afraid, at her most vulnerable, most in need of the support and love of a community of faith, was precisely when she found herself most pushed out, most excluded. And so she left and took me with her. And so I didn't grow up in the church. And while my family celebrated Christmas, certainly, I always had for many years a distance, a distrust of the church and everything that went with the church. And that included Christmas carols. But like I said, there is one Christmas carol that always spoke to me even before I believed. And that was The Little Drummer Boy. Now, it's not particularly majestic with its parumpa pum pums but it is, I think, quite a lot of fun. But it has this one line uh, that long ago and still spoke to me deeply, where the little drummer boy greets the baby Jesus and says, little baby, I am a poor boy too. And so for me, growing up as a poor kid whose parents were struggling hard to keep their heads above water while trying their best to provide what they could for me, as a child who had been pushed away from the church, I still recognized something of myself in this little drummer boy. Because before I knew very much about this Jesus at all, I knew this. I knew that he was born poor, excluded, and oppressed. That he was born to bring good news to the poor, the excluded, and the oppressed of his time and of every time. And that the true way he teaches, however imperfectly we, his followers, might live that way out, the way he teaches is a way of love that brings peace and justice to the earth. 
The account we're given of his birth by Luke tells of the background of Jesus' birth. And it says that an order went out from Caesar Augustus, the head of the Roman Empire, an emperor whose cruel reign extended from Scotland in the west all the way to Egypt in the east. And everywhere that Rome ruled, they demanded crushing and heavy taxes upon the people that strained the capacity of hardworking people to support. And these taxes went to fund the cruelty of their empire as Roman soldiers marched through the streets of the towns and cities throughout Europe, Africa, and Asia. People everywhere were subject not to their own laws or their own rulers, but to Roman laws, Roman governors, and Roman rule. In every way, they were a conquered people, and they ached, as we all ache, for freedom. This aching for freedom is at the heart of the prophecy gifted to us by Isaiah. Uh, the, the passage from Isaiah we read, read was written at a time when the people had been conquered by a different empire, by Babylon. They had once had a king, a kingdom uh, with their own rules and their own laws, but the Babylonians came and brought it to an end and took all of the leading members of society into exile in Babylon. And so Isaiah wrote of the ache the people had for freedom from Babylon. And over the years, as this story was told and retold, and as the people were conquered by yet a different empire through the ages, this story came to represent the hope for freedom that was coming soon. And so Isaiah talks about how the people in darkness will see a tremendous light. For the weight of our oppression, the heavy bar across our shoulders, the rod of our conqueror has been broken. The instruments of conquest have been destroyed, burned like fuel for the fire, all because of something unexpected. A child was born and a son was given, one who is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. In the midst of empires that were cruel and crushing, this one would be different. His authority would grow without end and would bring not more war, not more conquest, but a never-ending peace. It would establish a kingdom with justice now and forevermore. And so this is the context that Luke chooses to describe the Christmas story. A decree goes out from Caesar Augustus. This isn't a simple historical marker, but a description of what it is to be a conquered people. When the empire in Rome tells you what to do, you must obey. And so the Holy Family finds themselves in Bethlehem, the town of Joseph's ancestors, but they don't have the resources to pay for a place to stay for the night. So they find and stay in a place where animals are kept. And when Mary gives birth, she lays her son in a manger and wraps him in bands of cloth. And at the same time, shepherds are out working at night. Now it's important to remember that shepherds are one of the uh, lowest occupations in social status and class of Jesus' day. They would work long hours to make a living under crushing Roman occupation and the unjust political and economic order that Rome imposed. But our God is a mischievous God, a God who often chooses the people we least expect to be the agents of God's transformation in the world. We remember David, a simple shepherd who became the great king of Israel. And we think of Mary, a pregnant, unmarried teenage woman who is going to bear a child in scandal, who is the mother of the Lord. And so too it is to shepherds, people we might least expect, not the rich, the important, or the powerful, but shepherds. The whole majesty of the armies of heaven reveal themselves to and announce the good news, proclaiming glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for all those whom God favors, and especially the poor, the excluded, 
and the oppressed. Now, the church through the ages has always struggled with how to understand what has happened on that night in Bethlehem all those years ago. And we are always at risk of two different mistakes. The first mistake is to say that Jesus was simply human, that he was like you and me, but he was better, different in some way in kindness and compassion and forgiveness. And the danger when we focus too much on Jesus' humanity and forget that he is God is that we end up laying impossible expectations upon ourselves, expecting that we can be perfect like Jesus is perfect. We expect that other people should be made perfect. And when they inevitably fail to live up to our unreasonable expectations, we treat them contemptuously and dismissively. The other danger that tempts the church is to ignore Jesus' humanity and to talk about him solely as God. And the danger here is that we end up overlooking the value and worth of humans and of creation. Because God took flesh in Jesus not to condemn the world, but to transform it to heal it, to rescue us. And so when we make the mistake of forgetting that Jesus is fully human, we can end up thinking of ourselves as worthless. We forget to take care of one another and to take care of the earth, looking instead to the promise of heaven while missing all the ways where heaven is breaking into the world all around us and all the ways where God is inviting us to build heaven in our time. And so to reject these two mistakes that tempt us, the church has confessed through the ages who it is that Jesus is. In one of these statements called the Nicene Creed, we say that we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father, through whom all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and became truly human. This is the true and ancient teaching of the church and echoes what we have in the letter that Paul writes to his sisters, brothers, and relatives in Christ at Philippi. In his letter, he quotes an ancient hymn. It goes like this. Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not treat equality with God as something to be clung to desperately, but emptied himself and took on the form of a slave, born in human likeness, found in human form, and humbled himself, having been made obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. But God raised Christ up and gifted Christ with a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so while the language of this hymn might sound ordinary and comfortable to our ears, to the people of the time of Jesus, this hymn was treason because it said that Jesus was more important than the emperor. Jesus was Lord, not Caesar. And Christians were often executed for refusing to say that Caesar is Lord and instead saying that Jesus is Lord. And what I find so beautiful about this hymn is the kind of God that it describes. That what God in Jesus does for us and for the world is, is to be born a poor baby in a small rural village to an unmarried teenage mother from a conquered people. Jesus does not treat power, prestige, or status as something to be clung to desperately, but empties himself to be born in human likeness and found in human form. 
And in the same way, I believe that we in our time are called to empty ourselves, to humble ourselves, to act in solidarity with the poor, the excluded, and the oppressed, because Jesus did, and he was born a poor boy too. We are called to care for one another, to care for the sick, to encourage the struggling, to visit the lonely. And we are called to humble ourselves by seeking justice and resisting evil, working for the end of oppression in our time, building communities of peace, and reconciling in the midst of all that divides. And we are called to humble ourselves by loving the earth, living with respect in creation, caring for the world around us as our relative, and loving the waters and the airs and the earth itself. In all these ways, we are called to empty ourselves and to make ourselves humble, just as Jesus empties himself and makes himself humble by being born with us and for us, born with the earth and for the earth. And so, my friends in Christ, my prayer this Christmas for us is this, that we may know deep in our hearts that the baby born for us brings peace and brings justice, is true God made truly human, that this baby is the one who lives out the way for us and for the earth, in whose name we say, thanks be to God and amen. <laughs>